I am really addicted to the vibe of like, I'm gonna destroy the rich as a whale. That's <laughs> so fun. Like, we should be scared of how big their brains are. Welcome to All My Friends Are English Majors, the podcast where I, a business major, make my friends, almost all English majors, read popular fiction with me. It is comp con week for Graceling. We are going to talk about all the books together. We're going to talk about themes that go through all of them and why these books are good. And we're going to read some Goodreads comments and, frankly, roast the hell out of them. Um, And then we'll do some recommendations and then... That'll be it. I'm on with Bailey, who has COVID. It got me. You guys, I hang on. I need to talk about this for a second. Okay. I, this is the first time in four years I have gotten COVID. And I really thought, I really thought I was special. Um, so Tucker will cut my coffee and ideally we are obviously recording separately right now because I do not want to infect her with the plague. Um, Thank you. But yes, anytime. I am feeling much better. Um, every morning I lose my voice, but <laughs> it's back in the afternoon. Um, and I'm ready to talk about many things. I have, I, you really, we're about to go in on these Goodreads quotes because I just had to put some of them in here. Some of them are funny, but in a bad way. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think I I have a lot of a lot of things to say specifically about the second review that you put in and I I I feel like I need to add more to the outline specifically because I don't want to forget it. That's fair, that's fair. Okay. I did just spell horny wrong in the outline, but well, <laughs> that'll be fine. Did you put an e in it? I did put an e in it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, do you want to start with um themes to discuss? Yeah, I think there were, despite the fact that these book, I mean, it's obviously a series, so they can't be too different from one another, which is like something that can be kind of a struggle during ComCon. Um, I mean, these books were, especially Graceling from Fire, those were like, could have been two completely separate series by honestly two different authors but um oh i don't there were so many different themes. authors i think that Kristen's writing style is really distinct i think it is i think that graceling is just written so simplistically compared to fire and bitter blue that it could be written by someone else with a similar writing style. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? I think that makes sense. I think specifically Graceling, I think you said it perfectly last week. Katza really is a dumb jock. Like she really is. Yeah. And so yeah. like it it's it's really kind of surprising to then move to Fire and Bitter Blue who are like drastically distinctly not dumb jocks they're Mm -hmm. not dumb jocks and like i kind of think about katza in bitter blue it's kind of shocking how simple she seems in bitter blue as well 
with how physical she is and how direct she is in the way she's communicating. And she is like really, really not playing any of the games. And like everyone mm-hmm. else is doing their little politicking and having all their feelings. And Katz's feelings are still so big and so aggressive that she like hits Poe in the face. And like, there's just like all of this physicality and aggression and like directness from her that feels so distinctly different than the other two main ladies. Mm-hmm. That kind of go- ties in well to the first um theme of Limitless Power. Yeah, because that first book, Katz's power is really shown to be limitless, and so is Lex. And Pose mm-hmm. continues to expand and expand and expand. And, like, I think, I think where Katz are born aligned. And, like, she did not, if she was born not belonging to a king, I wonder how we see her figuring out her grace. And I, mm. like, wonder if she maybe is not a dumb jock or if she comes to under, understand her own kindness towards others sooner. Mm-hmm. But, like, do you, do you think Katza was educated? She certainly can read. Like, do you think sh- that is true? What what specifically do you mean by educated? I don't know, because I feel like, well, they never talk about, like, schooling, really, in any of these books, which is interesting. Well, they do in Bitter I think- Blue. Oh, well, that's true. They talk about how nobody, well, they don't really talk about schooling. They just talk about how nobody can read. Although Ivan is, it. they have engineers, so. Yeah. I don't know. That's something that I, one of the, um, well, I didn't put it on here, but there was one critique about in a Goodreads comment that I might talk about later on, or I guess I could just talk about it here. Go that, for it. um, there was um not enough background information a lot of the time like the furthest back that this series goes in regards to like setting up how these kingdoms came to be and like how everything is made and the history of the seven kingdoms and the dells and blah 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 is fire when they're just in the dells already i mean they talk about lek it's so never mind i won't go ahead but they talk about like lek it's almost as if lek is like the beginning of everything which is a little odd well i think that that's something really interesting to think about specifically with how like more medieval like i think that this is a medieval society specifically in the first book And you have to think about how societies where not everyone had access to reading and writing were really dependent on oral history. And Mm -hmm. Lex Grace, I think, with the way that it transferred to others and the way that every everyone in all seven kingdoms believed that Lex had was kind to women and children and, Mm -hmm. like, was not... Like, he is always taking care of sickly animals. Like, everyone believed all of this stuff. And I think 
his grace probably did quite a bit, not just to like destroy the the oral history tradition in Monsi, but potentially kind of like gutted people's understanding of their own history in other con- like in other countries. Beyond that, like I think one of your complaints about these books were also that they were long. And I think part of their Bitter accessibility Blue was long. Bitter Blue was long. And part of the accessibility <laughs> of these books and the reason I think that they are so readable is because Kristen does not do what Tolkien does, which is like have a whole tome that you can read that mm. tells you like we know about everybody's breakfasts and we like know about this tradition of the elves or like oh my god the third aragon book where like an eighth of it is just dwarf politics that like barely fucking matter like <laughs> i i think that that like drastically changes the the shape of these books mm that's true there it's just like I want to know more. That's like how you know that I have enjoyed them, I guess, is I'm like, I want to know more. Tell yeah. me more information. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think that Fire tells you a lot more about the Dells and about their history than Katza tells you. Mm-hmm. But Katza's story is a lot simpler. She is like, it is really like one woman and one man and like both of them are kind of on their own personal journeys and then both of them have a common enemy, which is Lek. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's very like boy meets girl. They go on an adventure. They like have to stop a big bad. Whereas like Fire's big bad is like deep on political intrigue. So you have to understand the political intrigue and you also have to understand her own history of her own like race of like mm-hmm. being a a human monster and how that has affected the history of her kingdom. So there just has to be more explanation than like Katza who as much as she does not want to be is a trained weapon and that is how she can do the most good. Mhm. And that is true. I do feel like we're touching on like two of the themes. I really just took us away. We we're like, let's talk about themes. And then I was like, instead, I will be talking about something else. No, that's okay. But- so we were talking about limit- limitless power. And I think Kristen's feeling that you must, you like have responsibility as a powerful person or woman to use your power for good. And mm-hmm. I think it's also really important that her characters struggle with that. Like, mm-hmm. like the image I think that most of us, not the true comic book heads, but the image that like most of us have of Superman is like not of someone with like any personal struggle. Like he is really just like, I am on earth and I am more powerful than everyone else. And I am here to save like women and puppies and babies and also like to protect us from like a big bad guy and like, we have this image of just like i'm i am the good guy mm-hmm. for him and like all of these women have the capacity to be the good guy and all of them really struggle with the like the nuance that comes with like making hard decisions that like affect other people's lives right 
like your okay so tell me a little bit more about what you wrote here with Katza with killing Lek with a knife and her crisis so Katza spends like most of Graceling trying to prove to herself that her grace is survival not not killing and Mm -hmm. she spends most of this book trying to prove to herself that she is not a thug and then like the best thing that she could do the only thing she could do against Lek was like pin him to the back of his chair with a knife and like kill him and she is like oh my god like I am I am bad I'm a bad person only a bad person would stop someone talking with a knife and she is like so lost in her own self-hatred and her capacity for violence that she is like oh like she she can't recognize that what she did was good Mm-hmm. well it, i think in the book too i think lek is technically the second person that she has ever killed like the first was her cousin or whatever like oh, the guy that oh was oh no oh bailey no no she's killed a lot I of thought people she never actually killed people she just like beat him up no, she. Because yeah, then, why her she first time she was sent to be a thug for her uncle, he told her to like drag a guy into the town square and like kill him, so the village understood, and she just like snapped his neck. And then that's when her uncle right. started being like, "You need to break arms. You need to do this." She's also she doesn't want to kill people, but she is like fully capable of it, and like has done it a lot in the past. This feels like news to me. I thought her whole crisis was like, I normally like injure people because I like can stop myself from killing them because the last time I killed someone, it was like kind of an accident or rather like in, um, self defense. Nah, she, Maybe she been killing. I am making things up. <laughs> well, anyway. Um, yeah, I feel like Katza is probably the most straightforward example of this, of this limitless power and using your, the limitless power for good. I mean, I guess fire also has quite limitless power, um, but I think she is a lot more, Hesitant? Unwilling, yeah. She's really hesitant specifically because of the second theme we were going to talk about, which is, like, not being responsible for the sins of the men who, like, controlled you when you were a child. Which, like, mm-hmm. exists literally in all three of these books. It's Katza and Randa, it's Fire and Cancerol, and it's Bitterblue and Lek, and also Bitterblue and her advisors. Like... Mm. All three of them are like, we can't believe that we essentially allowed ourselves to become like this, but also like they were, they were children. Mm hmm. Um, and so like fire yeah. doesn't want to use her power on criminals because she like does not want to be her father's daughter. Mm hmm. Yeah. I think it's a lot more that. I think it seems like Fire is more hesitant to use her power in general or for 
yeah, anything that could be construed as maybe bad because she, I think, I guess, stopped at an earlier age from doing it. Katza kind of decided that she really had no choice but to um, follow Randa's orders in this way. In Fire, I mean, once she killed Cancerol, she was just like, and now I will not be doing that ever again. Which is Truly. fair. And at, and at quite a young age. So. Yeah. It does. Uh, I just love fire. I also love fire. I love that woman. And I love her ability to name her big emotions. And I love her ability to feel her big emotions. Because like. Mm-hmm. Cats. Like Katza and Bitter Blue. I love them. But like. They're kind of like. I don't have time for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they shove them into the little dark feelings box, and then every once in a while it, like, all comes out. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that has something to do with fires. Um, like powers? Race or power, yeah. In that she is so in tune with others mm-hmm. and how other feels, others feel things that she is just automatically able to understand like and this is what i'm feeling because not only have i experienced this many times in these scenarios but also like i know how everyone else experiences these things in other scenarios yeah i think that makes sense and she's also, older i guess she is or wait is she no, no she's younger than she's like Katza. 17 right yeah i think, I think Katza's. Is. how the hell old is Katza? Uh, I think she is also, isn't she 17 and Poe 19? Okay, that sounds right. I think. And then Bitter Blue, oh, well, they're all the same age. Okay, well, never mind. Hell yeah, Making shit up, I guess. (laughs) I think it also, like, I think it's really important for her to show Bitter Blue as, like, having no powers. Like, powers magical, capital P powers. But also, like, being the most powerful woman in her kingdom. Like, I think it's really important for Kristen to show that power comes in all different ways. I think it's kind of, like, I don't know. I think it's important for her to do that. Because, like, if she is only writing books about people who can do a little bit of magic, like, I generally think the themes that she has in these books, like, are really good and really accessible to teenage girls. But also, like, if the themes are all about people who have this, like, unending power, like, how are teenage girls supposed to figure out where they fit in that and, like, how to apply it to themselves? Well, that's what I actually think is quite interesting about Bitter Blue. The book is, well, I guess, and the person is that and maybe this is just because I haven't read Winterkeep um but I feel like Bitter Blue is in theory like the most powerful person in her kingdom and yet still has no power like no one will tell her anything she doesn't know about the past at all she doesn't know about what her citizens are doing she doesn't know Anything about the goings on in her kingdom or in her castle, but also outside of her castle in her kingdom. And it's just interesting that she's framed that way when she also doesn't have 
capital P power or a grace. So maybe the whole theme of these books is that it's like really hard to be a teenage girl. (laughs) I mean, yeah, put it on the list. (laughs) Because like, I, I feel like we've talked about this a lot as a friend group. Like, I look back at who we were, like, even in undergrad, and I'm like, wow, we're, like, so much better at interpersonal conflict than we were. We, like, mm-hmm. are, like, like more patient with each other and, like, are, like, better at caring for one another. Like, and that's when we were, like, 20. Now, imagine if we were, like, 16. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. <laughs> that's... 16-year-old Bailey had no thoughts in her brain. No. All of I I think that it is actually so special and fun to like reach a point in your life where you recognize high schoolers as children. Mhm. They like, are. I feel like I have and now note note to everyone listening, I am not a high school teacher, but I feel like I have like a lot more grace in my in my heart towards them like being the stupidest fucking beings on the planet <laughs> because i'm like oh you're you're like truly a child yeah well this hey you know what this ties into the third theme of forgiving yourself for being stupid as a child but what did you mean by that in this context in the context of also side note apparently the series is called graceling realm the graceling realm series yeah confusing that's crazy i did not Um, know i think forgiving yourself ties in really directly with not being responsible for like the sins of the adults who like should not have been sinning like Mm. you as, like, a child with, like, great physical power are not responsible for the adults who were supposed to be guiding you. And Katza, like, takes an, a long time to forgive herself. And I think the only reason she forgives herself is because she creates the council and, like, gets to start doing good. Like, it's it's very Scarlett Johansson, like, saying, I've got a lot of red in my ledger. You know, <laughs> from the first Avengers movie. Um, <laughs> like, okay. and then, was that a sneeze? <laughs> no, that was me laughing and then saying, okay, at the oh. Avengers <laughs> reference. I also think, like, if you think about Bitter Blue, like, the way that she has to, like, find a way to lift herself up and forgive herself, like, I think that scene with, with fire when she is like being shown how to embrace her like very sad self and like lift it up and like see her own personal strength i think it's very moving and i think that Mm -hmm. like Kristen goes out of her way because it's not in first person so it like should be like i think that she does a really good job of showing internal struggle within her characters without it being in first person to like yeah show people having to go through a journey of forgiveness to themselves Mm -hmm. 
That is very true. When you told me that whatever the hell the most recent book is was written in first person, I just don't know about that, Kristen. I just don't know. Because she was, it's so, it was thinner than all of the rest of them except Graceling. So I'm hoping I will read it quickly. Mm. I'm trying to read this book from the library right now that I'm just like straight up not enjoying. And I think I might just like not finish it. That is valid. You can do that, you know. I'm allowed to do that. And I think I might. Yeah. Or you can just have a book from the library that you checked out almost two years ago and haven't finished yet, because you, but you really want to, so you just kept it the whole time. Oh. You can also um, do that. <laughs> I would I would actually literally never, but I don't but know. But public, Kansas City Public Library doesn't have fines anymore. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're being a bad person. I have limitless power and I am not using it for good. <laughs> um I think also with forgiveness and like using your responsibility for good, I think that just like I know I said this in the last episode, I'm saying it again. Something that I love about these books is that all of the main characters inspire loyalty, like, by trying to be good. Like, Brigan mm-hmm. begins to trust Fire because he, like, first of all, like, knows the truth of what she did to Cancerol. Mm-hmm. He, all like, also because she chooses, she, like, she allows her her thinking to change like she is not so stubborn in the way that she wants to use her power that when she is like presented with like a safe and like an an argument that makes her feel safe within her own power to like use it she she adjusts and she inspires loyalty by say like providing healing in the camps just with her presence like mm-hmm. and she's not doing anything Yeah. Like she, she is not giving the Braveheart speech. Like, people are not following her because she inherently is, like, the most powerful person in the kingdom. They, like, she is inspiring loyalty by, like, wanting to do the right thing. When she, um, makes herself barren because she's like, there cannot be more children out there like me. Like, there cannot be any more monsters and humans. <gasps> That is a woman that inspires loyalty simply by trying to be good. Um, I actually have a lot of questions about how the first human monsters came to be. I don't... I don't think we need to look too much into that. I just... We'll, we'll just pretend that they, like, evolved from fishes. Oh, I have... Yeah. <laughs> I have, um, actually an all-timer falling asleep hack. It is... Watching Our Planet on Netflix. Oh, yeah. That makes I'm sense. Out, I'm out like a light. Yeah, I mean, for truly, sure. Just like knocked the fuck out. That is me watching YouTube videos about how killer whales evolved. <gasps> are you watching videos about the killer whales that are destroying yachts? Yes, I also like those video. Basically, any video. Well, I do have a killer whale tattoo, so I, you know, mm. it's gonna. I'm gonna like a killer whale, but 
Mitch's little guys. I am really addicted to the vibe of like, I'm gonna destroy the rich as a whale. That's (laughs) so fun. Like, we should be scared of how big their brains are. They're, they're the second biggest brain comparison to body size of any animal on earth after humans. They're so smart. They're so smart. Sorry. Anyway. We, we digress. Um, the Mm -hmm. last theme that we have to speak of is all of these characters also have to like trust themselves to like grow and change and allow themselves to fall in love. Yeah, that shit is hidden <laughs> in the year 2024 for me specifically. But yeah, I have nothing more to say. Yeah, I just think it's special. Like, all of them also, like, choose to be, well, <laughs> Saf, all of the mm, Fire and Katza <laughs> choose specifically to be with people who believe the good in them and also who like they like care deeply for each other and it is something that like grows through time more that's more fire and brigand i mean probably mm-hmm. cats have spend a lot of time together and fall in love but like it is really nice i think to read a book where people are friends and care for one each- one another before they make any sort of move like Mm-hmm. It, is, it is really nice because like when you read the little cartoon cover romances the men are always just like i was addicted to your vibe from across the room in the office for the last three years but i didn't know how to talk to you i'm so sorry mm. and like in this one they're like we're spending a lot of time together we are like g- like working through things together it's nice it's just nice when I tell you that this shit is hitting in the year 2024, <laughs> I am not kidding. So that, yeah, I, I have nothing more to say. <laughs> well, except for the fact that my last point was just a more general theme of politics and tyranny as the books go on, which I, I am a fan of. That's why I think I want more background, just because I am generally interested in like, how has this kingdom come to be without it being like fucking what is that book in the Bible where they just name a bunch of people that they're related to Deuteronomy? Um, Genesis. Where it's just like, he is the son of him and he is the son. Or Deuteronomy. I don't know. know. Uh, Yeah, I think that that makes sense. Bad news about Winterkeep. They do introduce free market capitalism. Um, Oh no! But it is shown to be bad. That is terrible news. Okay, well, like Christian is very clearly right. Yeah, sure, politics this was a bad and tyranny. Thing for them to do. Yeah, I agree. There, I think the politics mm-hmm. of these books are really interesting, and I think we should talk about your next point about like how do mm. we think these books portray feminism? So you were dug in on Goodreads. What did people have to say about the the feminism in these books? So I wrote it in order of books. So essentially with Graceling, I, my, my 
thought was that, or what I was finding on Goodreads is that a lot of the critiques for Graceling specifically say that it's lacking in portraying feminist ideals. It's lacking in plot. It's lacking in world building. And I wanted to know what your thoughts were for okay, those. Okay, one, points. I don't really feel like it's lacking in plot. I think the plot is actually, like, fairly clear. Also, like, for people mm-hmm. to be, like, going on a journey to discover your true self is not plot. Like, fuck off. It is actually mm-hmm. plot. There was... there. Damn it, I should have put this one in here. There was somebody that was going in on the fact that Katza was a horse abuser. And <laughs> that that <laughs> the book was so terrible because she was a horse abuser. Okay. The world building... As if that was, like, the plot. I, I guess there anyway. could have been more world building, but also, like, this is a YA mm. novel. Like, this should be accessible to you as yeah. a teenager. Not not to toot my own, my own horn about my own reading level, but, like, not everyone is reading at an extremely high level as a child. Like... Like, mm-hmm. actual 13-year-olds reading at a 13-year-old reading level should be able to pick up this book and enjoy it. Like, they shouldn't need, they shouldn't need yeah. an extra book's worth of, like, little readings to understand what's going on in the world. Like, there's a map, people. There's a free, she, she gave you a, a map. map. Look at it. Now feminism. How Mm -hmm. fucking stupid do you have to be to look at a book set in medieval times with, like, a main character who is a woman who, like, doesn't want to get married, doesn't want to have children, is, like, actively working against the regimes that keep both, like, women and poor people down? Frankly, Katz is a fairly intersectional feminist. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? There are also, like... A female mm-hmm. captain of a ship. And Bitter Blue just, like, becomes queen. No one's like, oh, we gotta find the, like, the next male relative. Like, what the fuck are we talking about? Mm-hmm. Like, do you want her to, like, be, like, yeah. passing out little, like, get out the vote stickers and, like, talking about democracy and, like, <laughs> I'm, like, w- you have to look at the feminist lens through the world that they're in, not the world that you're in. Like, truly, truly, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, I didn't look at when this um comment was posted, but some of them were from, like, 2011, like, 20... 2009 is what I was going to say, like, closer to when the books were written. Um, so I think maybe that is a big part of what I think that was like an era of feminism where people were like, feminism is actually just like, um, women murdering. She does murder a man. That's the whole, that's how you know if something is. She literally kills (laughs) a pedophilic despot. What do you want from her? I really don't know what this reader wanted. I will say, the the last review that I put was, I mean, mostly in reference to Bitter Blue, but I, they talk about the series as a whole. That um, which I I like 
really can get behind this review, I will say. It, they said that so many people complain that these books aren't different from most YA books. One, you're wrong. Two, any similarities you notice are because Kishore did it first. These books have had such a huge influence on the YA genre. The way these books approach feminism, female badassery, marriage, and sex are so unique and well done. And then they say that they will say that Bitter Blue was their least favorite of the Graceline series, but still a wonderful book in its own right, blah, blah, blah. But I think that is like a really interesting point that this was uh, YA written in the early 2000s and it was like one of the first of its kind where it's like, oh, damn, like actually the book doesn't have to be um, Pride and Prejudice to <laughs> – uh like have a female main character no offense to the pride and prejudice fans oh i just remembered a book that i have to recommend oh my god (laughs) um so the reason that i was thinking about recommendations is because the main author that i'm going to talk about in rex is tamora pierce and my hackles are up a little bit about kishore Mm -hmm. did it first because pierce was doing it in the 90s um but also, Ooh. like, no beef to anyone who is, like, talking about the importance of, like, reading older YA novels. Like, the book market is, like, super, super saturated right now because of the way you can self-publish on Amazon. And, like, mm-hmm. I also think that, like, BookTok and Bookstagram are unfortunately like doing a little bit of damage towards the actual quality of books that teenagers are reading because like they're like this mm-hmm. book is so good but really this whole podcast. it just like has a bunch of sex in it which like i will also talk about with the fire review um because i have <laughs> a lot of thoughts about specifically the idea that like anyone would could consider like a book with sex in it for teens is like a thinly veiled piece of propaganda like let me read this whole review bailey put this in here and i she (laughs) the woman who wrote this review is like nearly shaking with rage like i am nearly shaking with rage reading this review Granted, I went into this book annoyed with Kishore's anti-marriage, pro-casual sex message in Graceling, but the book never got interesting enough to overcome those messages. Okay, I didn't finish it, but if 222 pages into it, I'm bored and nearly shaking with rage at Kishore for using a YA story as a thinly veiled piece of propaganda, I doubt the end of the book will redeem itself. This isn't even YA. It's adult high fantasy. Fuck you, no it's not. But these days... Publishers market everything as YA, so it's sold and read as YA, where Kishore forces her stories around some unhealthy and harmful messages instead of just letting her characters and story grow grow organically. Okay. One, this is not adult high fantasy. There is, like, (laughs) not porn in it, which is what, like, moves a book from YA to adult. Also... Forcing her stories around unhealthy and harmful messages. Strong central female character who, like, doesn't want to get married and have children. Literally nothing wrong with that. Also, like, something that I think is really important and, like, I think hiding sex from teenagers does a lot of damage. I think it also, like, makes you feel, like, bad and something is wrong with you for, like, having hormones and, like, being horny. Like, 
like, you should, like, know how your own body works. And, like, Mm -hmm. uh, there's just, like, so much to learn about your own body and the way that, like, you exist in the world and, like, things you do have control over and don't have control over. So, like, shaking with rage at, like, thinly veiled, essentially, like, I am assuming she's kind of saying, like, extramarital sex like propaganda like it is so much better to have a pro casual sex message and like make teenagers feel safe in their own bodies than it is to like tell them they're wrong for like feeling horny Hmm. well it's also really interesting that she i am surprised she didn't have a because some people did have a problem with the fact that um they talk about fire on her period so much. And it's like, yeah, because it happens often every month for 35 years <laughs> for women. Like, that's the whole thing about it is it's fucking never ending. And also that, um, so some people had problems with that, of course. And, um, it is also interesting that she somehow missed the fact that um, fire is kind of the opposite of Katza in that she does want to, I mean, maybe she doesn't want to get married, but she wants to have kids. She like, likes the idea of getting married. She's not like staunchly against it. She wants to have children, but knows that it's irresponsible. Like it's, I don't, I guess she is having casual sex with Archer. I wouldn't even say her sex with Archer is casual. I would just say it's extramarital. Like, they love love each other. They, like, found comfort in one another. They, like, they, they, like, had an intimate relationship that, like, went far beyond sex. So it is just, like, I I did put in the outline, just say you're an evangelical Christian and move on. You read a book about magic and are mad about it. Like... This this really is not adult high fantasy. Like that's what really mm-hmm. confuses me. Is like it's it's not. Imagine if these people read Ellen Hopkins. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> I would love Oh my gosh. Okay. In my free time after this, I will be looking up Ellen Hopkins Goodreads reviews. <laughs> I think that Bitter Blue as a book um the portrayal of feminism in it is more uh nuanced and not as like i guess like in your face like this is a feminist book which like i like this is a feminist book like i'm not saying that as like a negative trait but i think it is interesting that it is I think she almost trades like the in your face. This is feminism and you can write about it in YA in bitter blue for this is people can be gay and or bi and that is also okay. And she kind of puts that in your face in bitter blue, which again, big fan. I, the gayer the better in my opinion, but also I think it is like, that was more of her message in Bitter Blue than like, I mean, I still. I mean, she think like that, is a woman queen. 
yeah, like, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I still think that that is like, obviously, <laughs> I'm, I have COVID. <laughs> obviously, I have COVID. <laughs> obviously, um, Kristen Kishore is not going to write a book that does not have feminist themes. Like, that is, that is very important to her and that is very important to me as a reader, but I think it is more underlying in Bitter Blue. Yeah. Yeah, Which I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like, I think as like women who became adults in the girl boss era, it's like kind of nice <laughs> to like not have to like read a book about a woman who is like being oppressed for being a woman. Like, Mhm. Like she's being oppressed for like being a child. Yeah. But like it isn't like inherently having to do with her gender, which like can be kind of exhausting. Like I don't always mm-hmm. I don't always need to be reminded of the state of our world. Like that's what's so interesting about like these books are anti-feminist. Like just because it is not like punching you in the face with like girl boss gaslight gaslight gatekeep does not mean that like there is not feminism in these books. Mhm. And I would say that some of the time it is punching you in the face with girl boss gaslight gatekeep and like that's also fine too, but like sometimes you want to read a fantasy book and you truly want it to be fantasy in every way. <laughs> Yeah. Like, maybe maybe women can be equal. That's nice. This is a fun little fantasy world. A girl can really dream. <laughs> it's fantasy! <laughs> um, you wanna, you wanna do some quick ranking and then go into Rex? Yeah, speaking of women, let's talk about men. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll rank some women too. <laughs> But uh, mm-hmm. we're starting with the men. So do we have the same ranking then? Is that what it means that you haven't added anything? I think so because, I mean, I don't know who your number four is. Is it somebody that hasn't been mentioned at all? Or is it somebody that has been mentioned but is just in Winterkeep? Uh, hasn't been mentioned in Winterkeep. Okay. So why is this on here <laughs> for this trilogy? Because I I was putting it on the list specifically <laughs> so I could make Saf even further down the list. Okay. <laughs> I was doing it for dramatic effect. Well, okay. Should we start with number, number six one number boy? One? Oh, we're starting with number one. Okay. Oh, are we going with our last place? Do you want to start with number six? Yeah, I think that's fun and also obvious. It's Archer. It's Archer. He sucks. He he feels possessiveness for fire that he does not want to admit, and he is disguising it as, like, wanting to make her safe. You know who else does that? Christian Grey. Oh, my God. <laughs> We're not talking about Fifty Shades this month. <laughs> it ah, That's true. We're not. Not quite yet. <laughs> Yeah, um, you guys will have to wait to one week. Saf is my number five. Um, mm-hmm. because he, he's such a little bitch. Like, I love him. He's so dramatic. He grows and changes, but like, I can't get over how immature he is for like the middle third of this book. He is a little bitch, but I feel it is so like, um, 
I feel it is justified. Like, and it makes sense with his uh character and upbringing, up upbringing, upbringing. Upbringing. Like, I, there, I mean, that was like a, a lot of the Goodreads comments too, where like Seth is the worst and so annoying, and I'm like, he just he like give him a second, just give him a second. This girl he thought he was falling in love with is actually the queen and they like literally can't be together and she lied through their entire relationship. Yeah, it's fair and he grew up on a pirate ship. So they weren't really talking about their feelings. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um exactly. number four is ha 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 no spoilies. But yeah, also yeah, okay. like I just wanted Saf and Archer to be further down the list because I hate their guts. But is it, is, would this person truly be number four? Like below the first three? Yeah. Okay. It's also, um, I guess this should be called rank the love interests because it's not a man. Oh, sick. Uh, number three is Giddin, who mm-hmm. could have been way lower during Graceling when he like proposes to Katza and Katza's like, this is my hell. And then, like, finds out that Poe is a mind reader, et cetera, et cetera. Ginnon proves mm-hmm. himself to be, like, very steady. Like, kind of in the brigand vein of just, like, yeah, existing in the world and caring deeply for the people that he, like, is responsible for. I almost think that Giddin could be number two if one, like, I mean, I'm sure I will learn more about him in Winterkeep, but two... Um, Poe just, he just, it just makes, he's been through so much. I mean, I, Giddin has also been through a lot in that his fucking manor was burned down by Randa and he, like, has nowhere to go back to, but Poe got hit by a horse. <laughs> yeah, the concussion girlies were never gonna have Poe after, after a land owning man. God, like, that's so true. <laughs> Poe is our number two. Um, I think that we understand the depth of feeling with both Poe and Katza and Brigand and Fire, but I think that the depth of feeling shown with Brigand and Fire and the growth of their relationship and like the trust and like Fire's journey through her grief and Brigand bringing her small. Yeah. I like he did bring her a small. I kind of just like I really am an an acts of service girly. Mm. And so like Brigan like seeing a need that like Fire had not even recognized in herself yet and like meeting it without even needing to be asked. I'm like, "Oh, that's a man." Yeah, that's good. That's good stuff. Yeah. I have nothing more to say about the men. Um, the women, I guess that it is true that we are mostly just ranking like the main characters and their love interests. So keep yeah. that in mind. Not That's all usually the women. how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, cause we, we do have a disagreement in the women ranking. Yes. We agree on our number so one. You- I think we should start a number one this time because we agree on it. Right. Fire's our number one lady. Yeah, we love her. She knows her feelings. 
She experiences mm-hmm. a grief journey. Mm-hmm. She has a horse that she loves. She has a horse. What else is there to say? Um, she hates to look at herself in the mirror, which same. <laughs> She's That's so relatable. beautiful that people stop and stare at her on the street. Same. Yeah, and that is so relatable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I also like I her know. because She's she, a- like, has scars in a way that Katza does not. Like, of our mm, two mm-hmm. most powerful ladies, like, fire, like, experiences like more i guess i kind of bad for me to say she's my favorite because she has like actually experienced physical trauma but like Mm. i think that it is important for your like infallible characters to like have some sort of humanity in them and because fire is literally not human i think it is important for Kristen to have like added so much humanity to her through her like ability to experience both like physical and emotional pain Hmm. yeah i think she is just a very well-written character in general not a dumb jock not a dumb jock no offense katza but also not like i don't know this i mean obviously it's gonna be obvious when Obviously, it will be obvious. <laughs> God, I have COVID, okay? Neither of us are English um, majors. Don't come looking to us no, for syntax. Do not. Um, we have switched. So Tucker has bitter blue at number two and Katz at number three. And in my opinion, I think I would put Katz at number two and bitter blue at number three. I... You- Bitter Blue is my number two, I think, partially because of Winter Keep. Mm, okay. I think that Bitter Blue has a steadiness and a strength within her that, like, I also think she is, like, written with more depth of character than Katza. Like, yes, that is Graceling true. Graceling is a, is a, a first book in a series, and I think that, like, Kristen really finds her feet in fire and bitter blue on like especially with forgiveness and like growing up they do a lot of growing up Mm -hmm. um which is why bitter blue is my number two is i i appreciate her small study presence from like her and katza climbing over grella's pass to like all the way up into the end of winter keep Hmm. I think I've just always been, and so maybe like Winter Keep will help me with this, but I think I've just always been a little bit confused by Bitter Blue's character because in Graceling, I mean, we kind of talked about this then where I was like, this is a 10 year old. Like, this is not a 10 year old. She is not like acting in a way that like does Kristen Kishore just not know what children act like or, <laughs> you know, like what? And, and, I mean, rest assured, she is a child with a lot of trauma, but also she's still 10 in the first book. And so I think I was like, but I, but I still really liked her character in Graceling. And then in Bitter Blue, the book, I just found her, I didn't, I didn't know why she was 
doing or thinking some of the things she did or thought in the way that I was able to understand why fire did things or why cats did things or said things or whatever. Um, so I think I would put Katza at number two just because she's a little bit easier for me to understand from the way that she's written. Um, and then Bitter Blue at three because sometimes I was like, what the hell is going on here with, with her as a character? But perhaps that could change with Winter Keep. But this isn't the books that we read for this month, Tucker. I, am I to be blamed for like having, having more knowledge? Yes. Ah. <laughs> uh, dare we um, rank the books? Dare we dot 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 rank the books? Question mark. And I put question marks for all of them because I was like, do we want to do this? Will it just end up being, well, no, cause you, no, you said that fire is your favorite, right? Or did you say that Graceling is your favorite? I think that fire is my favorite. I also I agree. think that it like must be stated that all of these books are really good. Like, yes, I would recommend reading all of them. I also, on my reading journey, have like really come to understand that like if I read a book for the podcast, I like think about it so much more than if I'm just like shotgunning a book to have something to do and so like I I don't really feel a need to rank these because I'm just like these three are very good books and I love them and I would recommend them to anyone with my taste in books Mm-hmm. It's also hard to rank them, like, because they are a series and there is a set order. Like, it's not like you can say, like, oh, yeah, you can read these two, but also, like, probably wouldn't recommend this one. It's like, no, you need to read all of them and in the order that they are written. Yeah. Yeah. Although, like, technically so you could we... read Fire standalone, but I wouldn't. That's true. Mm-hmm. Because you'll be really confused by, like, the intro and, like, why why we give a fuck about Lack. Yeah, that is true. That is true. So, dare we rank the books? We dare not. We daren't. We daren't. But we do dare recommend some books to you. Do you want to go first? (laughs) Because I have a lot to say. Yeah, and also mine is not even really a real recommendation. I just put the Mortal Instruments series slash Infernal Devices by Cassandra Clare because they were my, like, childhood YA novels that were, like, my favorite of all time. Um, Even though they are, like, objectively pretty not well-written and they kind of have... Well, I would say the female protagonist in the Infernal Devices is not as bad. This is Tessa in Infernal Devices versus Clary in the Mortal Instruments. Something about Clary is just very like Mary Sue. But she wants to Tessa, fuck her brother or cousin, like by no, like but they're not four <laughs> chapters in. <laughs> they're not actually related. They just think they are. 
Oh. Um, when do they, they find out about- they're not related? Before or after they have sex? After. Okay, well, that's good at least. Or wait, or sorry, before they have sex, I guess. They find out they're not related before they have sex. Do they and then they're like, find out they're not related and then, like, immediately go to Bone Town? Uh, no, it's after. No, like, is it, like, immediate? Like, do, do they, no. are, are they like, they're, you're not cousins and they're like, thank God, we'll see you guys in an hour. No, 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 no. That's not how it happens. Surprisingly. Okay. That's good. I think the first time they have sex is like in the last book of the mortal instruments. But anyway, um, it's pretty, it's, it's not great, but my <laughs> like 14 year old self loved them, of course, and was a big fan of Magnus Bane, even though he's like a terribly written gay character. And this is also, I mean, Cassandra Clare was writing these books at around the same time that Kristen Kishore was writing Graceling. So there and are some was, other OGs in the mix. She was really pushing them out, too. I mean, those came out fast. Whereas, she was. Like, I also, I, I really like the world building in the Mortal Instruments series. I do think that Cassandra Clare does a little bit better of a job, but also there's three more books in the mortal instruments than there are in the graceling realm so anyway that's my sort of reference not really a reference or reference recommendation it you don't have to read that <laughs> so your turn tucker i have a lot to say one if you like Kristen kishore i think you should be this is this is my bread and butter type of book i mean like this is Mm -hmm. ya fantasy that like leans towards new adult boy do i have Mm -hmm. some fucking wrecks literally anything by tamora pierce um i love the becca cooper series it is a trilogy um it's called terrier bloodhound and mastiff um she (laughs) is a cop um uh, Tucker. It, okay, she's a detective. Uh, she's saw she's being <laughs> it it's very good. Um <laughs> and in book two she gets a she gets a scent hound and becomes a scent hound handler. And it's very fun and it's very interesting and like she's got a, a real moral backbone in the way that like Katza has really like determined what is good and what is bad. And she's like very, very tenacious in the way that she is like mm. trying to solve what's going on. Um, there is also, I mean, if you really want to start at the beginning, the way that the quartet works is you need to start with Alana, the lioness quartet. And then the, um, the like, uh, the one about Diane, who I literally don't remember what it's called, but I own all four of them. And then the protector of the small quartet, which I think is the best one, like by far. Uh, and they're the <laughs> first quartet and the last quartet are about lady knights. Um, and then the, the middle one is about a, a woman who is like half animal goddess. And it's, they're very good. Mm. Um, and then the Trickster's Choice duology comes after, um, I think comes at the same time as the Protector of the Small series. 
So all of this to say, Tamora Pierce is writing strong female characters the way that Kristen Kishore is. Um, she is also having gay characters the way that Kristen Kishore is. Or even, like, I think there's a lot to be said about the idea of, like, a trans narrative, specifically with the Alana the Lioness series, because it starts with her, like, the first two books, she is, like, fully cross-dressing as a man to become a knight. Like, Hell yeah. Um, so I think those are all really good recommendations. I also think uh, if you're wanting something that leans like truly more YA, Shannon Hale, who is the author who wrote The Princess Academy, which I thought was a banger in elementary school, wrote mm-hmm. a four book series that starts with a book called Goose Girl, which is one of my favorite fairy tales. It's actually a really interesting one. Um, but it's that's fleshed out. And then the next three books are about um, people who can control the elements. Um, oh, dang. Which is fun. Um, other books, if you want to read about like strong central female character trying to take back her kingdom, uh, you could read, I'm looking at it on my bookshelf. It's called Daughter of the Flames. I literally don't have li- know if libraries have them anymore, but she is like a martial artist and like, there's like a lot of interesting geopolitical things happening and also like like it's very good. Um I can't see the author cuz my eyesight's not very good but that's okay. Um East by Edith Patow is a retelling of the fairy tale East of the Sun West of the Moon which is when um a woman is well a girl is taken by a great white bear to end like, the suffering of her community, and she, like, is taken back to his castle, and every night when she goes to sleep, um, she feels someone get into bed with her, but she, like, the room is completely in darkness, and then it's, he's gone before she wakes up. There's no touching or anything. No inappropriate touching. That's scary. Um. It's still so scary. And, like, the way that the fairy tale works is if she lasts an entire calendar year without ever picking up her candle and, like, trying to see who it is, then the white bear will be freed from his curse. Whoa. Which is to be a white bear by day and, like, a man by night, but, like, no one can know. And then she goes home to her superstitious mother. This is... I, I'm just telling you the fairy tale at this point, because it's a fun one. Yeah, this is... I am... Um, this is wild. Um, She goes home to visit her mother because she's like, please, please, please let me visit my mom. And her mom sneaks her this candle that, like, can't be blown out. And she looks at the man and she drops three pieces of wax onto his shirt. And he explains that he's the bear. He sends her home and says, like, I now have to go, like, marry the troll queen who put this curse on me. I will be at a castle that is east of the sun, west of the moon. Um, Why did she look at him? And then she goes home and she's freaked out. And then she, the second part of the fairy tale is her like traveling across the frozen tundra, trying to get to the troll queen's castle and then tricking the the queen into giving him up. Oh, that's sick. It's such a good fairy tale. You should read it. Um, Damn, but okay. anyway, this is, that's East by Edith Patow. It's a like really extended version of that. 
Um, and then my last, oh, I have two more. One, I think that you guys could read any of the, any of the Grishaverse by, um, oh my God. Who wrote those? Oh, I have I, Six of Crows right by my bed and I have not read it yet, but, um. Ooh, Lee Bardugo. Yeah. Any, anything uh-huh. by her, I think you would be content with in the Grishaverse. Or a book called Dragonfly by Julia Golding. I read it in middle school. I still own it. I really love it. It is about um a young princess who is married into a like royal family that is she comes from like a very legalistic society and they come from more of like a picture Ireland in the twelve hundreds society, and then she is like kidnapped into a like essentially like war religion and like they try to make her denounce her legalistic religion and she like loses her faith and like all all the time the prince is like trying to come after her and save her that she is like promised in marriage to it's very good there's a lot of like personal growth and also like a little bit of falling in love and being really brave and like all of the things that you know i could eat like candy from a book so those Slay. are my recs. Dang, bro. Yeah. Yeah, I I have six of crows. There's only two of them? Yeah, it's a duology. Damn, I literally have six of crows on my nightstand and I just haven't read it yet. It was in one of the little like free libraries that are oh. just like around my apartments. Hell yes. yeah. I know. Well, anyway, need to get to it. All right. That was Graceling Month. We did it. Damn, Thanks did for being it. on, Bailey. Thanks for reading my favorite series, even though it scared you. It did scare me. I just, I really, I wanted to like it. And then I did. So it was all thank good. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, um, truly thank God. <laughs> <laughs> um, Next month, we're reading Fifty Shades of Grey. Lydia and I have already recorded that episode. There is a lot of good content for you guys. Um, So we will be back. Not next week, but the week after starting Fifty Shades of Grey in February. But until then, you guys can read the Graceling series. That's read true. it, read it, read it. That's my number one rec is read the Graceling series if you liked these episodes. Read all 1,500 pages in one week while you wait for exactly. Fifty Exactly. I'm telling you, they're quick reads. Well, okay. Okay. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram at English Majors Pod. Send us an email at EnglishMajorsPod at gmail.com. And we'll see you in two weeks. Bye, everybody. Bye.